Welcome to another episode of the Myths That Make Us podcast. Today, it's a little bit different. Uh, this podcast is called You Are a Soul Plant. And uh, I got that from Plato. I was reading some stuff the other day. But this is going to be a review of a podcast that happened between Carnivore Aurelius and Rick Rubin recently that I felt was one of the most important podcasts that I've listened to in a long time. And I get into on this episode why I think that is. If you'd like to support the podcast and help me not have to do ads about why you should buy these awesome type of socks or this new type of underwear, uh, here's a couple of ways you can help support. Number one, share the podcast. Number two, rate and review on whatever platform you use. And number three, uh, go check out my courses on my website. I've got one about journaling that uh, will fuck your life up in the best possible way be ready. And number two is a digital journal that has five days of guided meditations to help you really connect deeply to this thing I always talk about called the daemon. And as always, I appreciate your time and your attention because in this chaotic world of fractured attention spans everywhere, it means a lot that you've brought your tender little thread here. So please enjoy. All right, so today I want to talk about um, a podcast that was recently released between Rick Rubin and Carnivore Aurelius. There's a couple of reasons why I think this is a monumental podcast. And honestly, I'm just going to talk about a couple of the reasons as opposed to all of the reasons. Maybe I'll get into all the reasons, but I'll just start with the top three. So number one, uh, this podcast highlights what uh, I've been playing around with as the emergence of the fourth world. I'll explain what that means, I promise. Number two is it talks about our modern health catastrophe, which is something that I'm sure most of you are aware of, but it's worth retouching on in uh, lieu of this podcast. And number three, this podcast highlights Rick Rubin as what I call a rainmaker. Um, it's really not what I call a rainmaker, but it's me basically just talking about um, what Carl Jung saw as really kind of the highest manifestation of someone who has, quote unquote, done the work. So in Carl Jung's model, um, his, like the goal of, quote unquote, doing the work was to engage in what he called the individuation process which is not a fixed endpoint. It's something that we do the entire time that we're alive, but it's basically learning how to navigate the different parts of our psyche so that when we enter into a situation, we can listen deeply enough and access the parts of us that could tune and harmonize and amplify the goodness of the environment that we're in. And if you guys don't know or haven't heard me talk about the Rainmaker story, um, go on my Instagram and check out a post I posted a couple of weeks ago where it's a recording of me telling that story because I've probably have told it 50 times and I'll probably tell it another 500 times. But for me, like if I were to imagine like what I see as the ideal superhero of our time, it would be a rainmaker. And Rick Rubin, as the host of this podcast, feels like he exemplifies what it looks like to be a rainmaker. So let's get into each of these three. 
The first one is, uh, can you see the new frontier? Uh, here's a quote by William Gibson. The future has already arrived. It is just not evenly distributed yet. I think that's one of the most banger quotes that I've heard in a long time. The future is here. It is just not evenly distributed yet. Y'all, Plato would love to be alive right now. His cosmology would change because in our lifetime, a new world has emerged and most of us have no intuitions for how to navigate it. And even fewer of us understand the opportunity waiting for us if we actually learned how to surf it. So the first world, actually before I get to that, this new world is the digital world. Frankly, the digital world is a shit term because whenever I use it, I see people's eyes glaze over and it's because they think they know what I'm talking about, but they don't. Because if they did, they would see that the future is here. But let's do a little review so that we can, so that I can try to get this idea to land deep in your gut, because if it does, it's going to change the way you live your life. All right. So the first world is quote unquote, the one. Whatever word that you want to use for the boundless, undifferentiated force from which all arises and from which everything returns, this is what I mean by the one. The one we all came from, from which we will all return, and throughout the entire journey in between, we never weren't. Some call it the Tao, God, Atman, the Big Bang, Eternity, or Nos, or Nos, that's the Greek word. But if you've touched it, all of those terms make sense. And if you haven't, none of them will. And that's okay. The second world is space-time. Now, to the Donald Hoffman stands, I know, I know, but we're not going to talk about it today. Uh, for those who know, they know. And for those who don't, don't worry about what I just said. For all practical purposes, at our current stage of human evolution, it is best to consider that there is in fact a physical universe that has its own laws and that the more that you align your behaviors to those laws, the better your life will be. Now, my favorite thought experiment for the spiritual uh, thoth thumpers, you know, that all is mind, you know, they read the Kabbalion once and they love to say that everything is mind. Here's a thought experiment that I use just to anchor this point home, that space-time is its own dimension, its own world. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what level of consciousness you're at. If you walk off the ledge of a 100-story skyscraper, 100 out of 100 times, you're going to fall. 100 out of 100 times, you're going to fall at the same speed because there are laws of physics. 100 out of 100 times, you're going to hit the ground. Now, you could put it in parentheses, maybe you fall on top of a car, but you're going to hit something hard and you're going to die. 100 out of 100 times. So yeah, the second world is space-time. The third world is psyche. This is the world of consciousness. This is a mysterious, fascinating realm. Here, the laws of physics don't seem to apply. Time is not linear. Dreams can forecast the future. Thinking of a lemon can make your mouth water. Placebos can heal cancer. Magic crackles at the edges. Plants help us see gods. And thanks to the work of people like Carl Jung, in this world might dwell every god, demon, hell, and heaven. 
This world is so strange and complex and mysterious that many of us think it is the only world, i.e. the Kabbalion. And the truth is, at times, I'm guilty of this too. But again, think about the thought experiment of walking off the ledge. All right. This fourth world is the digital. This is the new world, and we don't understand it. It is an organism that has grown out of space-time rubbing up against psyche for long enough. And as the midwife of artificial general intelligence, it might actually extinct us, but no one knows. And it might actually be the Excalibur that defends us from global authoritarianism. And for those who know, no. But ultimately, no one knows whether or not it'll get to that point. But the digital is the reason that you and I right now are friends. It's the reason you can hear my voice. It's the reason you know 99% of the people that you know. And it's the reason you know 99% of the knowledge that you know. Now in parentheses, 99% of the explicit, utterable knowledge that you know. You can make the argument, if you know anything about cognitive science, that 99% of what you know is procedural memory. But you guys know what I mean. But let's bring it back to our boy, Carnivore Aurelius, who apparently might not be a boy. Uh, there's people online who think that the voice in this podcast is altered and that they believe that he is a she. But uh, this is a part of the fun of um, working under a pseudonym. But okay, because of the digital, they were able to heal their lifetime of health issues. Because our medical model is broken, they had to use the internet. Before the digital, universities had to pay millions of dollars to get, to get access to scientific journals. But now, a significant number of these studies are free. You can read them. And the thing is, most of us understand this aspect of the digital, so it's, it doesn't feel surprising. But if you actually take a moment to ask yourself, do you actually use the digital this way? How many of us are being used by the digital? And the way to tell is, what percentage of your usage of the digital world are you a consumer? And what percentage of it are you as a creator? One of the biggest things that people don't understand about this new world is that if you learn how to create within it, you can create something beautiful once. And because it is ingrained in code, like Michelangelo put David into the stone, if you do it right once, you can help millions of people. You can generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in wealth for you to use as you see fit. You can impact your friends and your family in a way that you never could if you had to say it to their face because they would feel like you were judging them. The digital is a place that if you get it right once, it can scale infinitely. And people do not understand yet how massively revolutionary this is. But hopefully you guys will start to understand. But anyways, getting back to uh, what's at hand. The more interesting thing that Carnivore Aurelius has done is that, I don't know if they know this explicitly, but what they're doing with their account is they're doing high ceremonial magic. So follow me here. It'll be worth it. Magic with a C is fake. Magic with a CK is real. Magic with a C 
happens on stages. It uses sleight of hand, misdirection, and illusions, etc., to get its point across. Magic with a CK happens in subjective consciousness. It uses meditation, visualization, breathing techniques, etc. Magic with a C is about playing with other people's perceptions. Magic with a CK is about mastering your own. Anyway, one of the highest magical spells that Western occult traditions has created is a process for connecting with your quote-unquote potential, what some people call your holy guardian angel, what other people call your holy daemon. There are many names for it, but the essence of this ritual is this. One, do whatever you got to do to get into a meditative state. 90% of what fills most magic books is talking about how to do step one. Step two, visualize whatever you got to visualize to feel connected to that being. 9% of the remaining uh, 100 is about these techniques. Number three, once you feel connected to that thing, start to ask it questions. And number four, heed its motherfucking answers. Y'all, I'm passing over a bunch of stuff here that it's borderline criminal, but this is the essence of this type of spell, which is, you know, one of the crown jewels of the Western occult tradition. Carnivore Aurelius has done this in the digital world. They have created a digital being molded by their potential. Whoever they actually are, they decided to create an avatar. They based it on the image of Marcus Aurelius, an emperor who chose to journal rather than conquest. They fed this avatar every day in the form of research and tweets and memes. This account is now one of the most amplified voices in modern health. And it's not a person, it's an idea. And this all came out because the person behind Carnivore Aurelius wanted to create an avatar that reflected the highest version of themselves. So what they say in the podcast is that they purposefully wanted to create an avatar to reflect their higher self and then to have that version of them give them wisdom. And that is essentially how this account was birthed, is that when they were locked in and in tune, they would give themselves advice. What most people don't know is that whoever the person is behind this avatar, they're an avid um, Vedanta Buddhist meditator, and they meditate often. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the tweets and such come after you know, a long bout of meditation. What I see here is someone who has stumbled into using real magic with a CK to create a living connection with their daemon. And their daemon has brought them deep into the heart of one of the major rotting scars in our zeitgeist, our modern state of health. They created a being in the zeitgeist through the digital that is impacting millions of people. Pretty cool. All right, number two, the modern health catastrophe. I think y'all think I don't need to go through the statistics, but if I had the space, I would, because it's worse than we think. But the gist is, we are the sickest generation in recorded history, ever. Staggeringly so. Almost incomprehensibly so. The reason some of the most polarized conversations in our culture happens around diet is because when you are sick, 
It is the most important problem in your life. And in our culture, if you are sick and you go to the doctor and it's a chronic illness, the truth is they almost never are able to actually help you. But once you find a diet that works for you and you change the way you eat and it works, it feels like the whole world changes. Everything improves. It is a semi-religious experience in a culture void of ritual and sacredness. And so then obviously your diet becomes a religion for you. The irony is that almost everyone who is passionate about diet is so because they realized how important diet was. We're all actually on the same team. We believe in the God of diet. We just disagree on how to worship. So one of the things to zoom in here is that a part of waking up is to become conscious of your unconscious habits. And there's something inherent in changing the way that you eat that can be the first step for many people to begin waking up out of their unconscious zombie life. And that if the change in diet works, because we so massively are disconnected from our food and we so massively misunderstand how important diet is, it shocks us when literally everything feels like it improves when we start to eat the things that our body are meant to eat and we stop eating the things that make our body um, inflamed. Every modern person who wants to meet the gaze of their potential, to become who they could be, they're going to have to face the modern health catastrophe because they're going to have to change the way that they eat. It is going to be the exceptionally rare person who is not going to have to radically change the way that they eat in order to become who they could be. Because most of us, most of our life, most of the time, are literally eating things that are clouding and injuring our body. And our bodies are so incredibly adaptive, but they're going to have to wade through the tragic timelines of how we got here as a culture, about how most mass processed foods are toxic, how compromised our tap water is, how unhealthy it is to be inside all day, and how woeful, borderline, criminally inadequate our standard healthcare practices are for contending with chronic illness. But there is also a redemptive epiphany that awaits. And it's that our bodies are plants that are imbued with soul and that our capacity to regenerate is near godlike. If we learn how to tend to the plant that is our body, in just a few weeks, we can be living in a state of health that we never previously knew was possible. It's religious in a time when God is dead. Number three, Rick motherfucking Rubin. Rick Rubin is one of my favorite humans alive. His superpower is that he uses his nervous system as a kind of instrument to draw out the best from the artists he helps. He has overseen the creation of many artists' greatest records in multiple genres. To me, he is a modern-day rainmaker. Listening to this podcast, the one between him and Carnivore Aurelius, I got to see for the first time how Rick Rubin quote-unquote conducts. 
If you listen carefully, you'll notice how Reuben tunes Carnivore Aurelius as he starts speaking falsely or hyperbolically or antagonistically. I noticed myself really appreciating how Reuben was able to calm Carnivore Aurelius throughout the podcast. His voice started nervous, and then by the end, he sounded grounded and comfortable and powerful. I imagine Ruben sees Carnivore Aurelius like one of the counterculture bands that he used to work with, that he sees this podcast episode as a kind of debut album for Carnivore Aurelius, because as far as I understand it, this is the first time Aurelius has ever done a podcast. And the closing insight, the last sentence on this podcast, is just a mic drop moment. Overall, it landed in me as a brilliant piece of art. 10 out of 10, I would recommend. So obviously, one of the things that is uh, that shouldn't have to be stated, but I'm sure does need to be stated, is that I'm not telling anybody about what to eat. What I do see here, though, is a pattern that I think um, anyone who is interested in health, which, uh, funny enough, everyone will be eventually once you get sick, is that there seems to be a pattern for healing from our uh, health pain in this country that I was able to extract out of this podcast. And the first one is you most have to run through the medical machine and find it inadequate. And the fact that so many people are arguing online about diet is because most of them who are passionate about it have found that when they went to the doctor, they weren't able to help them. There is a massive, massive problem in our country right now when it comes to health and healing. And it's so big that we almost either choose not to see it are just so distracted that we're able not to notice or we're so overwhelmed by it that we disassociate from it. But the reason there's so many quote-unquote diet experts online and the reason why there's so many quote-unquote gurus around wellness is because the hospitals and the doctors aren't working. If they were working, there would be much less demand and hunger for alternatives but it is actually the rise of the quote-unquote wellness gurus that is a testament to the fact that the primary route that most people take isn't working. But so here's the pattern that I see. Step one, you have to, you will eventually get sick, especially if you're in this culture, and then you go to the medical machine and you find, oh, it doesn't work. Step two, You start stumbling around the digital world until you find weird alternative things and then you start to try shit. If you find something that works, it's almost always because the element of the diet was that it detoxed. It was a elimination diet. Almost anytime you go on a diet, um, if it works, it seems to work because it's forcing you to cut out a lot of the shit in our current food system that makes us sick. I think the easiest rule that you can do at this level is eat things that you would have been able to eat without the intervention of humans a hundred years ago. So eat real whole food. Now, if you just do that, 
and you start to eliminate a lot of the fake shit, you're probably going to see some real benefit. Then what happens after that is people either, depending on their constitution, they might not need to tweak beyond that. But the people who are more sensitive are going to have to tweak beyond that. And basically what I saw in Carnivore Aurelius's story is that he was massively sick most of his life, uh, went through the healthcare system for years and it just wasn't working. And then he did a radical elimination diet where he only ate red meat and water and salt. And after a couple of weeks, all of the health conditions that he had struggled with his entire life, they were all gone. He did that for about two years, but after he did that for two years, he noticed that some stuff started to happen. He started to wake up every night at 3 a.m. He started to have some gut issues again, and he could feel that something was off. Well, then he realized that um, to be carnivore demands that your body has to convert protein into glucose because your body needs glucose. And that that's taxing on the body. And to be in that state for two years, it had impeded his thyroid. And his thyroid wasn't functioning as well as it could. And one of the things that he thinks is that most people in our culture have, uh, I believe it's hypothyroidism, where it means that it's under uh, producing as opposed to overproducing. It's below standard. And that he found this dude named Ray Pete. And just for anyone listening out here, if you want to go to the, what's the right way to word this? The smartest people I know who are the most non-conventional and who are also the healthiest. I've heard them whisper about this man named Ray Pete. And uh, when I heard him talked about on this podcast, I was like, Marcus Aurelius is on the same track as some of the smartest people I know who aren't on social media, but like, some geniuses that I know who are the healthiest people I know. They've been talking about this dude named Ray Pete. Basically, the idea from Ray Pete is that we need carbohydrates, but that simple carbohydrates are actually what is best for the body. And so basically honey and real fruit. And so the thing that um, Aurelius found is that once he started entering honey and maple syrup, and simple fruit sugar through like strawberries and blueberries and things like that. He felt fantastic. And if you think about it, mainly meat with some fruit, occasional vegetables, that sounds like a pretty good diet. And uh, the reason this is so um, close to my heart is that when I started to study the history of um, psychiatric medications in our country about two and a half years ago, I was set on fire. I was so passionate and I wanted to talk about it all of the time, but I kind of didn't. And it was because I was afraid of the blowback. Um, because the stuff that I was finding was so contrary to what people believed and what was even seen as responsible to talk about online that I kind of kept it to myself. I have dozens and dozens and dozens of pages of evidence and experiments and studies about psychiatric meds that, uh, you know, if I got loud enough about it, it could get me canceled 
um, could get me kicked off of uh, Instagram for sure, not X, but Instagram. And feeling um, Carnivore Arulis's passion, like I could feel that he basically did something that I wasn't brave enough to do. And I could feel his earnest inquiry and that the fact that he's not attached to his name with his ideas like he mentioned multiple times throughout the podcast over the last five years that he changed his mind about things like for a carnivore for a person who identifies as a carnivore to be talking about maple syrup and honey and fruit for a lot of them that's heretical you know, and that the carnivore diet was so heretical that when he started to do it to fix his healthcare problems, his doctor sent him an email and said, um, I can no longer work with you because I can't be responsible for this type of diet that you're doing. Basically, the doctor was afraid that he would have a heart attack because the doctor believed that this was a diet that was awful for your heart and that he was afraid to get sued by carnivore Aurelius's parents because his parents weren't happy with the type of diet they were doing. So that's just kind of a little insight into how dysfunctional our current system is. But to get back to this psychiatric meds, um, our health, our vitality, our purpose, our meaning, um, the quality of the art that comes through us, it's all holistic. We our nervous system and our psyche is one instrument that has multiple scales in it, if you will. And that diet is literally like one of the most foundational scales because this soul plant thing that we are builds itself based off of what we put into it. And so the structure of the instrument that our nervous system is, is coming from the food that we eat. And it's something that I, interestingly enough, have never given very deep attention to because I've had, I still have a hearty constitution, but as my, I've been getting back into my dream interpretation practice and I've been meditating more recently than I have in a long time. And the stillness and the self-reflection is helping me recognize I have very clear signs on my body that there are things that want to be attended to and want to be healed. And it's a really interesting thing where it's like, if you stand in front of a mirror without any clothes on and do it as a meditative practice and notice what starts to happen in your consciousness, is there shame? Is there guilt? Are there parts of you that you want to not look at that you can actually feel you actively want to look away from? Our body is like a dashboard that is trying to show our consciousness what the current state is of this instrument that we are playing our soul through. And our soul wants this instrument to be up to caliber for the appropriate song to come out. You know, it would be like a piano that has like half of the keys are detached from the strings and you can't play those notes. Well, if your soul song requires those notes, there's going to be um, 
some pain and some friction that arises in your consciousness because your soul is going to try to play that note and it's not working and it's just going to keep trying because it's trying to let you know we got to turn this note on. So, yeah, I think it's really important. Um, not specifically that you follow the diet that he talks about in this podcast, but that you connect to your diet as such as one of the most important responsibilities that you have. And that if you are not taking personal responsibility for figuring out what your diet is that is best for you to flourish, and you're going off of what you're being told by culture, you are almost assuredly sick. And it's okay. But look at it. And if you begin to look at it, and you begin to experiment, you're going to discover one of the holy grails of existence, which is that the capacity for regeneration in our bodies is magnificent. And that we can tend to it like a gardener and pull out the form in us that wants to be. So thank you for letting me ramble. I love you guys. And if you haven't, check out the podcast.